1: Welcome to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal some entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget the free TuneIn app. We're there, too. Tell Me a Story, I Don't Know is presented by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dog and a Chicago landmark business since 1893. There is nothing like a Vienna hot dog or one of their Polish sausages, and their products are available coast to coast at viennabeef.com and through Amazon. Tell Me a Story, I Don't Know is also sponsored by the Polina Market, Chicago's top purveyor of fine meats, poultry, fish, fresh frozen prepared foods wine beer and now serving fresh sandwiches they've been a staple in the city since 1949 it's time for part two of tell me a story I don't know with Chicago sports media maven David
0: Kaplan there are a number that I would say to you that were awesome to always deal with from Jim Henry Jed Hoyer Theo Epstein Rick Hahn John Paxson I mean, I can go on and on with people in Chicago. Anthony Rizzo, they always pick up the phone for me. But there was one interview that I got that I was a fanatic on the OJ trial. He could have taken his act to the Marquee Network, but instead,
1: Cap stuck with NBC Sports Chicago. But he's an out-of-bash Cubs fan and never hides it. So, David Kaplan, tell me a story I don't know why it seems
0: you've never really alienated White Sox fans. Um, A, my brother is a diehard Sox fan, and he once said to me, he goes, dude, I get that you're a Cub fan. Just don't be one of those haters. Now, growing up, full disclosure, if the Cubs blew a game, my brother was relentless on me. And if the Sox blew one, I was relentless on him. And when my son Brett was born, Brett, I would literally have him in my arms. He was born May 11, 1994. I would literally have him at one month old in my arms in the middle of the night and I am trying to feed him and keep him quiet. And I remember the Cubs closer blows a game at LA and it's extra innings. It's like one o'clock in the morning, Chicago time. And my phone's ringing. I just got Brett to sleep and the phone's ringing. I'm like, son of a, who's calling? Hello. That a baby Cubs blow another one. (laughs) Now Brett's crying. And I'm like, you know what, you're out of your freaking mind, and I hang up on my brother. That was me. And he said, dude, now that you're doing this and you're trying to get everybody you want to listen, like Michael Jordan said, I don't take sides. I want Republicans and Democrats both to buy my shoes. I want everyone to listen. I actually have found myself, I root for the White Sox unless they're playing the Cubs. If they play the Cubs, I hope they get crushed. But other than that, the jersey says Chicago. Why can't I root for both? Three and two on Eloy. In the air, center field. Now back at the warning track. It is gone again. Another center field rocket. Robel Garcia, the batter. Here's the 2-0. Swung on, hit to deep left field. This ball's got a chance. Long gone. Robel Garcia gets the Cubs on the board. It's
1: now 3 to 3-1. Well, listen, I've told people a thousand times that I'm a fan of both teams. I grew up with Jack Brickhouse, we talked about earlier, and remember Jack Brickhouse was the voice of the Cubs and the White Sox. And so when you're a kid and you want to stay up for a late night game, uh, you know, if if the Cubs were playing at home, they were day games, you had Jack Brickhouse. So I never had that allegiance of I'm a fan of one team uh, or a fan of the other. And, of course, I'd always have people go, that's impossible. You can't be. You have to be a fan of either or. And I said, well, no. But there are a number of people who are fans
0: of both teams. What's wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And when I came to a career crossroads, do I leave NBC Sports Chicago to go to Marquee, which was an opportunity that was exceptionally flattering? I love who I worked for and with at NBC Sports Chicago, but they don't have the Cubs anymore. I did the Cubs on radio or TV, pre-post-host, for 25 consecutive seasons. So do I follow the Cubs, my favorite team? No. I like where I'm at. My dad, shortly before my dad died, and I didn't know he was going to die. It wasn't like he had a disease. He had a heart attack and was gone in two hours. I had dinner with him, and he said to me, can I just give you some career advice? He said, I'm a lawyer. I don't know your career, but I'm just telling you. There are going to be people that are going to throw opportunities your way, or they're going to give you advice that you should go do this. The next logical step is go do that. He said, don't ever run from happiness. Don't let anyone tell you what should make you happy. If you're happy doing that, then don't think, but the logical step is I got to do that. He said, don't ever run from happiness. If you're truly happy, everyone else doesn't matter. If what you're doing with your career makes you happy, that's what you should do. And so I live by that mantra, and it served me well, and I love where I'm at. I'm very blessed. Speaking of being happy, you love to break stories. I mean, you really, really love to break stories. You've had your share. Wow, we have breaking news. The Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs have just made a blockbuster. Holy cow. Danny, are you sure this is accurate? That is from Sox the Chicago White accounts. Sox verica- verified account. You didn't see me White Sox my arms have you? just acquired outfielder Eloy Jimenez, pitcher Dylan Cease, first baseman Matt Rose, and infielder Brian Fleet for Jose Quintana.
1: Tell me a story I don't know about two of them. And the first is actually a story... That never really happened, and it involved a guy we just talked
0: about a little while ago, a Hall of Fame Chicago Bull. So from my coaching days, after I started my newsletter, I had gotten a phone call from a guy named Bob Rocco, who owned a trading card company. And he called me and said, hey, I live in Detroit, but I'm from Chicago, and I'm doing this rookie draft pick card set. This is 1989. And he said, look, I would like to know if you'd be interested in writing the backs of the cards and predicting who the, I think at the time there were 27 NBA teams, who the 27 first round picks will be. But you can only put 30 or 35 guys in the set. That's it. I said, so I've got to be accurate. I can't have George Hoffman in there and he goes undrafted. So I said, absolutely. I've been scouting for Seattle. So I go to Portsmouth. I go to Orlando for the Orlando Classic. These are all pre-draft camps. And then I'm at the Chicago pre-draft camp that I talked about earlier. And I am dealing with agents. We're giving their kids, soon as their senior year, or they announced they were going pro early, soon as their eligibility was done, we would sign them to a contract. And each guy would get like five grand, and we would have rights to use their college uniform On a trading card. And we had these sets. And the sets sold really well. Well, I'm dealing with all these agents. And so I make amazing contacts. I go down to the draft. The NBA draft was at the uh, Holiday Inn Crown Plaza in Indianapolis. Big Dog Robinson is going to be the number one pick. And I get a call from a guy named Charles Tucker. He was a, a professor at Michigan State. And he was the agent at one time. He had Magic, Mark Aguirre, and Isaiah Thomas. Now he's got Jalen Rose, Jawan Howard, who was a basketball camper of mine, and Big Dog Robinson. He calls me. Hey, man, I owe you. You've been really good signing my clients. And how'd you like an exclusive? Come down tomorrow, the draft's at night, and I'll give you a one-on-one with each guy and then an interview with all three together, and you can put it on your TV station. I'm in a suite at the Holiday and Crown Plaza in Indy. Done. I call over to, it was then, Sports Channel Chicago. I tell them what I want to do. I'm not working there. I just do some you know freelance stuff. And I said, can you get me a cameraman? Yes. Jeff Corbett, who is still one of my shooters. He worked on the Bears postgame show with me a few days ago. Corby's still there. We, he's been there 30 years. Corby and I drive down in one of the Sports Channel Chicago vans. We go to Indy. We're going to shoot all this. And we didn't have technology like today. We had to drive the tapes back to Chicago to be on the air that night. So we go down there. Dr. Tucker, man of his word, has us all set up. We do all the interviews. Jalen's in that red and white stripes, awful-looking suit that he wore at the draft back then that everyone gave him a hard time about and still laughs about. We leave. We get on the elevator. We're going to drive back to Chicago and make sure these tapes are ready to go. On the elevator, a guy is staring at me, and I keep looking back at him. I'm like, can I help you? He said, are you Cap? "Uh, I am. He said, my name's whatever it was. He said, I'm going to be seeing a whole lot more of you. Who the hell are you? And he says, "Uh, I work for Tony Dutt and James Bryant. And as soon as I hear those names, those are two at the time. Big basketball agents. I said, oh, yeah? And so why are you going to be seeing me? He said, because our number one client just got traded to the Chicago Bulls five minutes ago. I'm driving to Chicago right now. I got to meet his plane at O'Hare, and he has to pass a physical before the draft. Who did we give up? Scotty Pippen is going to Seattle for Sean Kemp, Ricky Pierce, and our fir- their first-round draft pick, the uh, Sonics.
1: He posterized Scotty
0: Pippen. I'm like, no way. He's like God's honest truth, but don't quote me. So I, how am I going to confirm this? It's like the Jack Brickhouse story. I can't just go on the air with this. So I call without telling him. I call his bosses, and I've been really good to them. Hey, Tony. Sean Kemp getting traded on down at the draft? He's like, how'd you get that? I said, I just heard it from a source. He's like, yeah, I'm just telling you. Yeah, that's done. I don't know how you got that, but yes, he got traded to the Bulls. Krause loves him. Okay, thank you. I call in on WMVP and I break the story. And it goes everywhere. We get in the car and Dan McNeil, who I have a great relationship with, Danny McNeil is barbecuing me on the score. No way. This is the stupidest report I've ever heard. Now the day goes on. Nothing's getting confirmed. Now it's like 5 o'clock, and McNeil is destroying me. And I'm thinking, my career's over. And now I'm getting calls from um, Jim Modelski, who's the news director or sports director at ESPN, I mean at uh, WMVP, and Greg Salk, our boss, dude, what are you reporting? This thing's gone viral and nothing's happening. Now they start the draft. And Doug Collins is on the coverage. And I think Bill Raftery. And they're like, well, there's this report out of Chicago that Chicago's acquired Seattle's pick and traded Scottie Pippen. But nothing's happening. Now the Bulls make their draft pick. Kraus meets the media. And someone says, are you keeping this player? Or is this part of a Scottie Pippen trade? And Krause says... I don't know where David Kaplan came up with that. We never approached Seattle. That's how he responds. We never approached Seattle. Now the draft goes on, and I get destroyed for like three days. The score is mocking me, and I'm getting crushed. And I'm like, I know I was right. So it finally dies out, whatever. I keep doing my work. Now I'm get a. I'm coaching an AAU team at the same time. I get a phone call from a guy who was one of my subscribers back in the day to my newsletter. His name's Mark Warkentine. He was the top assistant to Tark at UNLV. He leaves UNLV. I lose touch with him. He calls me, Cap, Mark Warkentine from the Portland Trailblazers. I'm like, oh, I had lost touch with where you were. He's like, yeah, I'm working for Bob Witsen, who left the Sonics to go to Portland. He took me with him. Can you have breakfast with me? Three kids on your AAU team are in the draft. Donnie Boyce, Sherelle Ford, and Michael Finley, and they all listed you as a reference. Could we meet with you? We'd like to record an interview with you on your thoughts of these guys as players and their character. Sure. We go to the Fairmont Hotel. I have breakfast. We're sitting there. I said, so when did you leave Vegas? He's telling me he went to Seattle as a scout, and then Witson brought her to Portland. I'm like, hold on a second you were at Seattle. Hold on. Did you guys make a trade for Scotty Pippen? He's like, that's a really sore subject. I'd rather not discuss it. I'm like, I'm not answering any questions till you tell me the truth. He's like, all right, fine. We made an amazing trade. We were trading a guy who had a lot of off the court issues for a hall of famer. He said, and the trade was done. And Jerry Krause leaked it to some asshole in the Chicago media. And when he reported it, our fan base freaked out and started cancelling season tickets because they couldn't believe the rain man wasn't going to be there. I look at him. I'm like, that's not how it went down. He's like, how the hell would you know? I said, because I'm the asshole in the Chicago media who reported it. (laughs) He said, dude, if you don't report that story, it's done. He said, you reported it. You went on and did an interview on KJR Radio in Seattle, and our fan base freaked out, started calling in, canceling season tickets. Our owner, a guy named Barry Ackerley, came into our conference room. He goes, me, George Carl, and our other guys are sitting there, and he goes, I ain't signing off on the trade. It's off. What do you mean? Do you know what Sean's issues are? Yeah. Do you know how many season tickets we're losing? No trade. In 94, they actually did trade me to Chicago. The problem was this, that um, the fans in Seattle said that they were going to burn down the Seattle Coliseum if the trade went through. The ownership called me and told me that they were going to make the trade, but they just reversed the trade because they were afraid of the uh, public outcome around here in Seattle. So the trade never goes through because I report it. So now... One of my best friends was Rick Majerus. He was at my wedding. I Me, mean, Rick and I coached against each other when he was at Marquette and I'm at Northern. Rick Majerus dies. I go to the funeral. There's George Carl. And I've never done an interview. Nothing. I've never met George Carl. I walk up to him. Hey, George, David Kaplan from Chicago. I was a really close friend of Rick's. Oh, yeah, he's spoken of you, blah, blah, blah. I said, can I ask you a question? We're at the church on the campus of Marquette University. George, did you make a trade with the Bulls for Scottie Pippen? He looks at me, like whips his head around, and the funeral's about to start. And he goes, yeah, I did. And that asshole Jerry Krause completely effed me. And the trade blew up. I'm like, that's not how it went down. How the hell would you know? I said, because I'm the guy in the Chicago media who broke it. What? He said, if I had seen you the next day, I literally would have punched you in the face. He said, you single-handedly broke up that trade. He said, and let me just tell you something. I know you got it from Krauss. I said, that's not true. I got it from Sean Kemp's agents. He's like, oh, my God, I never knew that. Dude, that is 100% truth, and that's what happened. And you know a guy named Brian Wheeler, who was the longtime (laughs) voice of Loyola, then went to the Sonics to do pre post and then just retired as the voice of the Trailblazers. Brian Wheeler calls me, goes, dude, we're hearing that what you reported is accurate. I'm the the halftime and pre-post guy here. They're making me print up flyers for a draft party of Scottie Pippen. You're right. That trade's going down. And then it didn't happen. So, Dan McNeil, take that. It was true.
1: Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is presented by Vienna Beef, Chicago's hot dog, and a Chicago institution since 1893. If you've had a hot dog, chances are it was from Vienna, and did you know there are more locations selling Vienna in Chicago than McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's combined? There's nothing like biting into a juicy and delicious pure beef Vienna hot dog dragged through the garden, which includes... Yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles and some celery salt and oh those Polish sausages dripping with flavor. And look for the new spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available in restaurants, grocery stores, and entertainment venues such as the ballpark, Socks & Cubs, stadiums, museums, and the zoos. Plus you can purchase them online coast to coast at ViennaBeef.com and Amazon. And remember, Vienna's not just hot dogs and sausages. Look for their farm makers' chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was winged on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at viennabeef.com. The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me A Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A-N, just one F, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the free TuneIn app, and wherever you get your podcasts. We return with David Kaplan on Tell Me A Story I Don't Know. There was another one that actually involved the hiring of two coaches. Um, and a brush with an athletic director.
0: Yeah, so I am best friends with a guy named Kevin O'Neill, who was coaching at, let's see, he was at Delaware, then Tulsa, and then Arizona, and then he became a head coach. So when I'm out recruiting, I didn't like sitting with 40 other college coaches because all they do is play grab-ass in the stands. I'm at Whitney Young High School. It's the Christmas tournament season. In like 1983, and there's a guy sitting by himself on the other side of the court. I'm like, I like that guy already. He's not here with 400 other coaches. I walk over, introduce myself. His name's Kevin O'Neill. We start talking. We become best of friends to this day. He's my closest friend outside of family. And Kevin calls me up. This is two days before the 1989 Final four, uh, NCAA tournament. The tournament is going to start those two great days in sports, the two best days, Thursday, Friday of the NCAA. This is Tuesday night. He calls me. Dude, I've got a scoop for you. What's that? Arizona State is going to hire Bill Frieder as the head coach. He's going to be announced tomorrow morning, and then he's going to fly back to Ann Arbor to coach his team. I'm like, there's no way he's going to take another job and then coach the team. No shot. He said, I'm telling you, I have a friend who's on the board of trustees at ASU while Kevin's at Arizona. I'm telling you this is done. But Bo Schembechler's freaking out, and he might fire him. Okay. How are you going to confirm this? So I call. I'm thinking to myself, what airline is based in Detroit? Because that's where he'd fly out of. Uh, that's Northwest Airlines. They don't even exist anymore. So I call Northwest Airlines. Northwest Airlines, how may I help you? Hi. Um, I am supposed to fly to Phoenix tomorrow morning. I'm assuming the flight's early, and my secretary loses her mind. She didn't leave my flight information. Can you help me? Of course. What's your name? William Frieder, I tell her. She said, hang on. Yes, Mr. Frieder, you're on flight, blah, blah, blah. 6 a.m. departure out of Detroit Metro Airport to Phoenix nonstop. Uh, I said, okay, do I have a return? She said, your return is open-ended. You can use it to go anywhere you want in the country, but your wife, Angela, she returns tomorrow night back to Detroit. I'm like, last question. Did my secretary give you the credit card number? Do I have to bring that with me tomorrow? She said, no, she didn't give us the credit card number. It's prepaid by Arizona State University. I'm like, Thank you very much. Bingo. I call call Kopik. Kopik's on the air. He is doing the Doug Collins show with Doug Collins, who used to be the assistant at Arizona State. I tell, it was either Cheryl Ray or Dan McNeil, hey, when they go to break, tell Kopik I'm holding. He's got to talk to me. I've got a massive story that no one's got. Chet picks up the phone. What do you got? I tell him, hold on a minute. He comes, goes and tells Doug the story. And Doug's like, I, it, You can hear Doug. He goes, That's bullshit. No chance. I would know that. I was on the staff at Arizona State with Bob Weinauer. I'm like, You guys are wrong. I confirmed it. It's done. Copic gets back on the phone and he says to me, All right, here's the deal. I'm going to put you on. If you're wrong, I will bury you. You will never, ever work in this industry. Ever. Are we clear? You still want to go on? I said, 100%. But just promise me, you will always be my advocate when I turn out to be right and your show gets all the credit. He's like, you got a deal. I come on. We're interrupting the Doug Collins show with a breaking story. Here's David Kaplan. I say it. Doug Collins says on the air, Cap, I'm sure you have good sources. There's no way that's true. I said, oh, yeah, that's true. Done. Now i got to take this story to the next level. Steve Fisher is the assistant. I know Steve because we bump into each other on the recruiting road, and then he subscribed to my newsletter. I call his house. It goes to the recording. Yeah, you've reached the Fishers. Here's the message I leave. Hey, Fish, it's David Kaplan in Chicago. I already know Frieder's taking the Arizona State job. I just broke that story on Chicago radio. Are you going to be named the interim coach when they fire him? He doesn't answer. Here's what I put on the message. Hey, Fish, if it's true, pick up the phone and just say, I have no comment and hang up. I'll never, ever forget it. He picks up the phone and goes, I have no comment, and he hangs up. Boom. I call Copic back, and I tell Copic, put me back on. I know who the new coach is. (laughs) We go on, we do it. USA Today ends up running topic on sports with a broke this story the next day. He's introduced, and Frieder gets fired by Shem Beckler. I want a Michigan man coaching Michigan, and Fisher goes on and wins the national title. Starts win touch. Long pass, Walker and Green battle. Walker fires up. It's over. Michigan has won a national championship. And for the third time in the last eight games it has been decided by one point the wolverines win an ncaa title over seton hall a tough opponent all the way
1: we've interviewed hundreds if not thousands of people in the world of sports but tell me a story i don't know cap if there's one guest in particular who always stands out whether for good or bad reasons
0: wow that's a great question george um there are a number that I would say to you that were awesome to always deal with from Jim Henry, who would literally never once say no. Hey, Jim, can I get you on? They just lose. Whatever you need, Cap, just call myself. And he was amazing. We Jed Hoyer, Theo Epstein, Rick Hahn, John Paxson, I mean, I can go on and on with people in Chicago. Anthony Rizzo, they always pick up the phone for me. But there was one interview that I got that I was a fanatic on the OJ trial. A fanatic. So now the trial is almost over. We have an on-air staff meeting of all the on-air people at WGN. It's little old me sitting in there with. The late Bob Collins, Spike O'Dell, Milt Rosenberg, Kathy and Judy, Dean Richards. Oh, we're talking about some heavyweights. And they said, okay, next piece of business. Uh, Random House has a book coming out by Johnny Cochran, who represents OJ, and he will be available in studio. They're expecting a verdict in about the next three weeks, so he will be available in about a month. Chicago's his second stop after New York. Um Bob, you want him. Absolutely not. I'm not putting that guy on. Okay. Uh, Spike, I'm with Bob. No chance. He's defending that guy. No chance. Milt, uh, if I do him, you know my rule. It has to be the first show he does in Chicago, or I won't have him on. Well, he had promised the urban station, I'll do your interview first, and then I'll do Milt. Milt says, I'm passing. No, thank you. Kathy and Judy, absolutely not. No chance. Okay, we're passing. I'm sitting in this meeting with all these heavyweights. I'm little old me, barely into my career. And I go, are you people aware we're in the ratings business? And they're like, that guy's not, he, I'm not giving him the time of day. I said, I'll do the interview. Uh, yeah, you're a sports guy. What do you know about doing a murder trial? I said, OJ was a football player. I can handle this. My father is a criminal defense attorney. Just give me a shot. They said, okay, you want it? It's yours. Johnny Cochran comes in studio for one hour from four to five on a Saturday afternoon at WGN in the showcase studio on Michigan Avenue. So I go over to my parents two straight days. My dad and I are spending hours going over whatever we could get on the OJ trial. I had watched almost every day of it. And my dad gives me a legal pad full of a hundred questions. Ask him this. Ask him that. Now here comes Johnny. I clear all the commercials out early, and I got him basically for a straight hour. There's 500 people on Michigan Avenue looking in the window going, that's Johnny Cochran. And I start asking him questions. And the ground rules were there were no ground rules. He was sharp enough he could talk around anything. So I'm asking him this and that. We have to take a break in the middle of it. I take the break. He turns to me and goes, Okay. Are you a lawyer? No. Did you go to law school? No, I actually thought about it, but had no interest. Okay. Where'd you get these questions? My father's a criminal defense attorney who had a murder trial in the U S Supreme court. aha uh-huh. now I know where you've got these questions. I have not ever had somebody ask me questions like this. And we did an hour. He was gracious, kind, unbelievably open. And it was The coolest one-hour interview that I ever did. I still have it on a reel-to-reel in my house. And it was unbelievable. And he and I stayed in contact. I got him tickets to a Bears game in Minnesota through the Bears. He wanted to go to the game. He happened to be up there doing something. And then he got a brain tumor and was gone. But I can just tell you from my experience, he was the nicest guy in the world. And that was the coolest interview I ever did.
1: Tell me a story I don't know is presented by the Polina market. And if you haven't been there, what are you waiting for? It's been Chicago's premier market for the finest meat since 1949, and it's only getting bigger and better. From the popular wagyu steaks to their porterhouse and Tomahawk selections, Polina leads the way and you might just spend hours there perusing the frozen food section. Everything made fresh, including chicken pot pies, pulled pork and a variety of meat loaves. You like brats? I love them, including their pork variety, which is so juicy and tasty on the grill. And now the Palina Market has seafood and sandwiches from the deli and wine and beer to match anything you buy. Plus, they expanded again, making the in-store experience even better, but you can still order online to pick up. Take my word for it, the Polina Market is as good as it gets and conveniently located at 3501 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. Check them out on their impressive website at polinamarket.com. Mention you found them through this podcast. Is there anyone you haven't interviewed that you would like to, and part of me thinks I know the answer. Really? You think
0: you know the answer? I think I do, but let's see. Um, Wow. I mean, I've interviewed so many cool people. Like, I've played golf with Michael Jordan multiple times, but I've never interviewed Michael other than, like you, in the locker room with my microphone, one of 50 in his face. I've never had him sit down and do a one-on-one, no-holds-barred, Ask me whatever you want to ask me. Uh, And I'm a huge Michael guy. So I would tell you Michael Jordan would be one. I would love to have interviewed George Steinbrenner. He's obviously gone because I was told by Joe Girardi, who's a good friend, that every year when George was alive and they carried on now with Hank and Hal Steinbrenner, they would sit every employee down, 500 people in this conference room, in this auditorium at Yankee Stadium. And they would say, George would go, okay, here's the deal. I remind you every year, we have two goals in this organization. Win the World Series and provide the greatest customer service experience for our fans that they've ever had. If you fail on either one of those, I don't care if we go 162-0 and and sell out every ticket. You all failed. You're failures. If you don't win the World Series and provide that experience for our great fans, you failed. And I think that's how every team should be. Did you get a ring or did you not? Don't tell me, well, we actually had a good season. No, you failed. The ultimate goal is to win. So I would love to have interviewed George Steinbrenner.
1: Okay, so let me tell you the name of the person I wrote down here. Steve Bartman.
0: Here at Wrigley, when the opposing team hits a home run, they throw the ball back onto the field. I'm surprised someone hasn't thrown that fan onto the field continue to be behind the Cubs and support him, I think would have been a totally different outcome. But the fans all fed off of the reaction of Moises Alou. Oh, he's the great white whale. Absolutely. 100% would love to interview Steve Bartman and have actually reached out to his people multiple times. And I was supportive of him when this whole horrible thing happened because I was on the air that night, George. I was doing the post game, and everyone's in shock. And I'm in the trailer at uh, across the street from Wrigley for WGN, and my producer back at Michigan Avenue calls. Go, tell him to go to break, and he's got to call me right now. I call. I go, what's up? Hey, there's this guy calling, much like the truck driver who gave me the Jack Brickhouse story. This guy's calling, said he needs to talk to you. I call him back at break. I'm like, what's up? Hey, man, I'm a huge fan of the show. Yeah, great. I'm in the middle of doing a post-game show. What's up? Uh, we have his address. He'll be dead by midnight. I said, excuse me? We have the guy's address. He'll be dead by midnight. He ruined our lives. I said, it's a baseball game. Absolutely not. It's more than that. And we will get him tonight. So I call security back at the tower and they said, the Chicago police are already on this and we already have his street blocked off. He's going to be okay. And if you remember, they got him out of there like in security gear. And they got him home and the whole thing. But I would love to sit down and interview that guy because I think he's been treated so unfairly.
1: I mentioned you wrote a book, which got me to thinking either you had a ghostwriter or turned into one while writing The Plan, which was a wonderful read about the uh, 2016 season. So tell me a story I don't know, how you squeezed that into 24-hour days.
0: So I have someone who's become one of my dearest friends. He's also my agent. It's Steve Mandel. And I had someone else representing me, and I always thought, I don't need an agent. This is silly. I'm spending money. getting a 2% raise, and I'm paying an agent. And he wasn't the guy at the time. And Joe Girardi says to me, dude, do you want to take your career to the next level? Yeah. You need to hire Steve Mandel. He's the best. So I call Steve Mandel, and you know how you can tell when a phone is ringing overseas or out of the country? It's that bizarre ring. I leave a message. Hey, Steve, uh, this is David Kaplan. Joe Girardi gave me your number. Give me a call when you're around. Sounds like you're out of the country. You know, no hurry. Five minutes later, the phone rings. Uh, This is Steve Mandel. I'm returning your call. Hey, Steve. uh, Sounds like you're out of the country. Yeah, I'm in Israel. I'm at the Wailing Wall with my family right now. Uh, but I got a message to call you. You didn't have to call me from the whaling mall. I return my calls. How can I help you? Joe recommended we get together. I'd like to maybe hire you as my agent. I'll be landing tomorrow at three o'clock. I'll meet you at this address at seven o'clock. I'm like, I already like this guy. He doesn't stop. My wife and I go meet him. She's kicking me under the table. Hire this guy. This is the guy. And here we are, you know, 15 years later, he's still with me. He calls me. I'm at spring training, February of 16. He said, hey, man, how would you like to write a book? I'm like, yeah, hard pass. I don't have any time in my life. You need to do this. He said, why? Because the Cubs are really good and they're really hot. I think it would help you and your brand. You need to do it. And you'll make a little bit of money. So... He gets this guy on the phone from the book publishing company, Triumph Books. The three of us are talking. He's like, yeah, I'd like you to write a book about the team, blah, blah, blah. And I said, there's a billion books about the Cubs. If you want to do a book on the Cubs, why don't you do a book on how they got to this point and how Theo completely revamped the entire organization? He said, yeah, but what if they don't win? Then it's not successful. And I said to him then, you can ask him, they're winning the World Series this year. He said, it's been 108 years. Why is this year any different? I said, I'm telling you, I'm at spring training. There's something different. They went to the NLCS last year, got swept. I'm telling you, this team is winning the World Series. He's like, all right, I'm in. Let's do it. So I think I made on the whole project like 15 grand. It wasn't like I got rich. I would come home from doing post-game or during post-game, I would have my laptop in our green room where uh, Todd Hollinsworth and I would watch the games and I would just start cranking out first an outline. Then here's a, tr- a section on Arietta trade and here's the Rizzo trade. And here's what it was like when Theo got there. And I went to Tom Ricketts and I went to Theo and Crane Kenny. And I told them I'm doing this and I need to be able to have some access. And they're like, yeah, we'll help you out. And so they all sat down with me for multiple interviews. There was never any ground rules. And then I sat down and every night I would crank out whatever. And there were nights where I'd be up till five in the morning, having to leave to go to work in three hours and I can't stop writing. And there were other nights where I got no idea what I'm going to say. I'm going to bed. So yeah, it was an amazing experience.
1: We haven't mentioned you do have time for a family, which includes four kids, three dogs, and a wonderful wife who happens to be an executive
0: at a rather well-known pizza establishment in our city. So my wife is the marketing director of Lou Malnati's. And after I got divorced, I swore I was never getting married again. Bad experience, and a lot of it my fault because I was a bad communicator, and she didn't understand the 24-7 nature of what I do. Just put it on me. She's a great mother to our son, Brett. And I am at Wrigley Field, and they would ask us to go into the skyboxes, and we had a skybox there at WGN, and meet the advertisers. So I get a message, hey, when you're done with pregame, because i got to hang out there till postgame, come downstairs, go to our skybox, grab something to eat, and we have the executives from, like, Miller Lite and Pace Bus Company. And so I – I'm going to go down there. Well, Kevin O'Neill, my friend, calls me that day. Hey, man, I want to take my assistants to the baseball game. They've been working hard. Do you have three tickets in your skybox? It's not my skybox. Let me go ask. So I go to sales. They're like, yeah, actually, one of the clients isn't using three tickets. You can have them. I get them to KO. I come down. I'm coming in to say hi to the advertisers and see my friend. I get one step in the door, George. And I'm like, hey, KO. And I see this beautiful Beautiful girl sitting there, I'm like wow, that girl's really attractive. Hey, Ko, what's up? He said, "I'll tell you what's up. You see that redhead right there? Get her the blank out of the skybox. She's a raging blah blah blah." And I'm like, stunned. I'm like, dude, settle down, watch your language. That's an advertiser. And I walk up to her. Excuse me, my name's David Kaplan. I want to apologize for my friend. He's Obviously had a couple drinks and he's not in a good way. He's going through a divorce. And she says to me, A, I can handle myself. I don't need you to defend him. And B, he's getting divorced. What a shock. And they're going back at it. So I feel like she's an advertiser. I got to protect her and make sure I don't get my ass fired for bringing some idiot into the skybox who I love dearly. Well, she and I keep talking and we make a bet. This is in April of 1998, and we make a bet, and she's a huge Cubs fan. And I said, yeah, we're going to have a really good team this year. And she looks at me, and she goes, really good team. They were 67-95 and 95 last year. They're horrible. I said, oh, that team's going to be really good. And she said, they won't be 500. You want to make a bet? I said, yeah, I'll bet you dinner. She's like, done. I don't see her again the entire season. I'm going through a divorce now, and I, the Cubs go to the wild card. Sammy hits 66. I call her office. Her secretary says, yeah, uh, hi, Mindy Laf- Her last name at the time was LaFlam. Mindy LaFlam's office? Uh, yeah, would you tell her that Jim Riggleman is on the phone? She <laughs> takes the call. Hello? <laughs> I said, yes, uh, Mindy, this is Jim Riggleman, and I just want to make sure you're not going to stiff my friend David Kaplan on the dinner you owe him. And she starts laughing. She's like, I wondered if I was going to hear from you. So we go out to dinner, and we have a great time. And then I don't call her. I ask her, hey, next next week, you want to go get sushi? Sure. I don't call her for six months. I'm going through the divorce. My life is in turmoil. The whole deal, I walk into the skybox at Wrigley. The next season, she's sitting in there. Hey, I'm starving for that sushi. It's only been six months. We end up dating And I tell her on our first date, I am never, ever getting married again. I had a horrible experience. So if that's what you're looking for, you got the wrong character. That'll never happen. And she's like, well, that's fine. When I'm through using you, I'll just move on myself. And I'm like, I like this girl. She's got spunk. (laughs) And five years later, I proposed. She has three boys from her first marriage. I have Brett. We love dogs. We have three of them. And I am incredibly blessed to have the greatest wife, and four amazing kids. And my son, Brett, who has special needs, my 3 stepsons Nicholas, Alexander, and Garrett, have been incredible brothers to him. And he is the success he is today. Uh, He gets the lion's share of doing it, and my ex-wife as well. But those three boys played a great role in Brett's life.
1: I want to go back to your wife because you're in pretty good shape. You're really a health nut. But consider she could bring home a pizza
0: on any given night. I used to say there was this guy, Fat Cap. Well, I got a very attractive wife who I have to keep up with. And finally, I looked in the mirror. We had gone, George, to Manchester United to see Manchester United and Chelsea because one of the boys, Garrett, all he wanted for the holidays. We make the boys give us a list. What do you want for Hanukkah and Christmas? We celebrate both. He's like, all I want is someday you promise me you'll take me to see, man, you play. We get tickets, we fly over there. And I, George, I have the picture and I am 45 pounds heavier than I am today. And I'm like, oh my God, I look horrible. How the hell did I let myself look like that? And I'm 40 pounds lighter than that today. And I'm much more cognizant of working out every day and eating right.
1: I ask this final question to all my guests, though you
0: may have already answered it. If not for sports, Cap, what would you have been? I would never have become a lawyer. I wouldn't have. I probably would have gritted my teeth and got the degree because I had no other plan in life. But I would, George, I would have had to do something where it wasn't sitting behind a desk from eight to five and get my. 15-minute smoke break at 10 and my lunch for an hour and then coffee at 3.30 to 3.45 and then punch out and go home, you may as well just cease to exist. I can't do that. That's just not who I am. Uh, My producer at radio, Danny Zetterman, my wife, they'll tell you he's ADD. Okay, so I'm ADD. Maybe I am ADD. I probably am. I can't sit still. I have to always be doing something. Like my phone is in my hand when I'm watching TV or I'll go down and work out while I'm watching a game. I just can't sit there. I don't like being alone when my wife goes to see her family out of town for a couple days. Hey, you want to come over? Or my mom, when she was in great health, Hey mom, you want to have dinner? You want to come over? My brother, I just can't. I don't like the quiet, the solitude of being alone. So That's just who I am.
1: Thank you, David Kaplan, again, for telling me a story I don't know. My thanks to NBC Sports, WGN Radio, WMVP Radio, NBC Sports Chicago, CBS Sports, and Fox Sports for those memorable highlights. Thanks as always to TJ Reeves for putting this podcast on the map, Will Hatzel for his deft editing, TT Schinken for her artistic touch, and Ken Schreiner for always being there. And of course, our sponsors, the Polina Market. Find them at polinamarket.com, and the Vienna Beef Company, in business since 1893. You can find them at ViennaBeef.com. Join me next time for another episode of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's
0: all she wrote Save it.